to Real World with Dora and Dama at CITR 101.9, broadcasting from unceded Musqueam territory. Uh, Real World is the UBC Film Society's radio show. We're going to be talking about movies, obviously, hopefully bringing in a lot of executives from clubs outside of the Film Society because we want to try and link the different cultures of all the different clubs at UBC through film. We'll also be bringing in executives from Film Society to talk a bit about their role in the club, but mostly we're focusing on movies. So today we're focusing on Lord of the Rings because the UBC Film Society is hosting a Lord of the Rings marathon this week on November 15th, the Sunday, from 9 a.m. to 14 hours plus 9 a.m. Uh, we'll just be watching all of the extended editions of the Lord of the Rings, so you should definitely come out. And today you'll hear us talking a bit more about the movies and all of that stuff. So today we're going to be um, playing an interview that we did with Juliana, a member of the Fantasy and Science Fiction Society here at UBC, where we just kind of talk about the genre of fantasy and how Lord of the Rings has its place in that. And then we're going to be, just, Dom and I are going to be discussing the transition between literature and the films themselves and just a little bit more about that with our film sock background. So now we're just going to play Concerning Hobbits by Howard Shore.
So that was Concerning Hobbits, composed by Howard Shore. Now we're just going to play the interview that we took with Juliana Weldon from the Fantasy and Science Fiction Society here at UBC. So, Juliana, what makes Lord of the Rings a fantasy classic? Um, fantasy is normally defined as something that it's characterized by something that has like dragons and elves usually and sometimes maybe a medieval element towards it and uh, Lord of the Rings definitely fits into all those categories. Um, what makes it a classic is that it has a classic story of just the hero going on an adventure, defeating the evil and coming back a different person. And that's a story that has been like reused over and recycled over and over again throughout history. This is just one of the newer, more popular versions of it. And um, I don't know, since it has such a lore to it, it has a bit of something for everyone. So it has romances, it has adventures, it has magic, it has monsters, it has everything. Okay, so like, what do you think the cultural impact of Lord of the Rings on other series, like more modern series, after the movies? What's the role that you see there? You find kind of the default elf being the elf from Lord of the Rings, because, I mean, normally, or in the past, elves were very small creatures, like think uh, Santa's elves or fairies, like very small creatures. And then with the uprising of Lord of the Rings, you start seeing like these longer, more elegant, tall, majestic elves uh, appearing in more fantasy novels and video games and so on and so forth. Do you have any like comments about the films like as a fantasy and science fiction kind of like enthusiast do you have anything to say like that you haven't already said yeah yeah well i mean one thing with the movies is that the cinematography is beautiful they do a lot of uh landscape shots of uh new zealand and uh <laughs> i don't know how much of that was like just so uh, Peter Jackson could be like, look at the fantasy, or like, look at New Zealand, come to it, like, promoting his country. Sorry. Yeah, for sure. I mean, New Zealand is beautiful, and I definitely want to visit there because of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So, I mean, Peter Jackson <laughs> definitely got that ulterior motive down. But there was also the amazing uh, film score by uh, Howard Shore, and that is honestly, like, my pump-up music. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, uh, my favorite characters and whatnot and scenes. I think my favorite scene would have to be uh, the end of the last film, giant battle. Well, okay, the entire movie is basically a giant battle. <laughs> the last giant battle in which Legolas, in all his prowess, manages to like spin around like the neck of an oliphant. Just because like I, I really love oliphants because they're just... There's so much more than an elephant in this world, and it just adds that glimpse of reality because you've had like, a lot of uh, mythological creatures that look nothing like what you see uh, here, but then you are introduced to these massive oliphants, and you just kind of remember, hey, elephants exist, and they're not as cool as this. <laughs> yeah. I guess the main question, which is your favorite one? My favorite movie. I don't know. I'd I'd probably go with the very the very beginning, the first the first Lord of the Rings movie, just because it was the introduction to the entire series for most people. Because the people who hadn't read the books went to see it in film, and they were like, "Wow, this is magical and wonderful, and I want to cry." And another great thing was definitely just like seeing the height differences. First off, was probably my favorite part. Because <laughs> like I mean, Gandalf was way bigger than a human. 
but he looked like a human. And then Frodo was way smaller than a human, but he still looked like a human. And that's just because of camera shots and camera angles. John Rhys Davies is actually the perfect height as a dwarf to Hobbit ratio. So like in all of the shots with just Gimli and the Hobbits, like it's just like them regular, yeah. like no stunt doubles or anything. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm fond of introductions, because I mean endings are sad. And introductions are just, they're new and fresh, and you get to experience and, like, be introduced to the world and uh, think about all the things that are going to happen next. Perfect! Well, I'm done. Do you yeah. have... I think ending on a note about endings is perfect. So, Boom! Boom! Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So that was Juliana Weldon from the Fantasy and Science Fiction Society. So just to like get the discussion started, which movie is your favorite, like of the three? Okay, probably Two Towers. Oh yeah, me too. Nice. That's my favorite one. Okay, Two Towers I think is great just because like first of all, Ents Ents are just great. Oh. I, I love Ents. Just trees that walk are amazing. For those that don't know what Ents are, it's just giant trees. Like the forest is pissed off. Okay. Yeah, and, and then they just like decimate. Like yeah, they just the come to life and destroy like, everything. It's so good. It's great. And the fact that Mary and Pippin are so important in that, I really love Mary and Pippin. So oh, yeah. their whole their role in that movie makes me happy. The fact that they get some exposure makes me really happy. So yeah, that's probably the thing with me. I love it because the Fellowship is a lot of like setup to yeah. the storyline. Yeah. And The Return of the King is a lot of, like, resolution to the storyline, but The Two Towers is the perfect little sweet spot it's like the juicy. where it, like, feels like it has, like, a full story arc. It has setup, rising action, climax, denouement. Of the three, The Two Towers could stand alone in its own Definitely. story. But it's interesting. You know, Peter Jackson actually says The Fellowship is the best one. Really? Yeah. I was reading the other day, like, people uh, and, like, Why? film critics and stuff say that The Fellowship is the best. Because it's, like, the That's one... Filthy. Yeah, apparently, like, it got a lot of funding, and then it was, like, yeah, it was the one that was most organized. I know Two Towers and Return of the King were really disorganized oh, in the yeah. shooting and stuff. So, yeah, Peter Jackson likes Fellowship better. Really? Yeah, pretty interesting. That cuts me deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> but I'm glad, I'm glad I know this. Yeah, just, you know, respect for, you know, life and directors and stuff. Totally. Yeah. Moving on. Now we're going to just talk a little bit about the books and the movies and how Peter Jackson did in making this, like, epic series into an epic series of movies. Uh, Dora, any thoughts? Well, as a Lord of the Rings fanatic myself, I have several issues with Peter Jackson's adaptations. I... I understand where he's coming from, from a filmmaker's perspective. Like, obviously, you can't put that entire sprawling world into a two-hour-long film or an extended edition, four, even four-hour-long film. But some of the stuff they took out, that he took out, was integral to the plot. And then also, some of the stuff that he, like, put in, I was like, what? Like, why is this... Why is this a part of it? Okay, so, like, uh, starting with the stuff that he left out, what do you think was, like, the most important thing? Well, I know a lot of people have, like, issue with Tom Bombadil, and, like, I kind of, like, don't... <laughs> like, I just, like... <laughs> I like him! No, like, obviously, but, like, yeah, there are so many people who are like, oh, my God, he's so important, like, we need him, and I'm just kind of like... 
<laughs> now I understand it. I just really like him because he was like that childhood character that he just grasped onto, like yes, Tom Bombadil, and like he was really important in like he was kind of like the ends in that like he was so old and he like wasn't like a part of it. But he like maintained that neutrality, which is like it's like kind of like fighting against the power of the ring, kind of in that it's like He's I don't just have so to chill be, about it. Yeah, it's like I don't have to be on your side. I don't have to be against you. Like I like so don't care about this power right now. Like Not exactly. Whatever. He's just so outside of the loop and everything. It's like he just he's so wise that he doesn't even care at this point. It's just pretty dope. So that's like one thing that I know a lot of people don't really like that he left out um and that's like the biggest thing like but okay the thing that like really gets me is that he put in say frodo discarding sam and i'm just like that just like doesn't make any sense like i kind of get like you need like the story in it like you need to kind of explain why sam's not there when frodo gets like stabbed but like <laughs> you like it's just like it just was so nonsensical no, I guess especially because they build up the Frodo-Sam relationship oh God. so much. Oh my God, bromance of the century. And then like, they just like destroy it before like, your eyes. Like why? This is so <laughs> unnecessary. I think like the drama is pretty good in that. It's like, wait, like why Frodo? Why? And then it's like, oh, because you're consumed by the ring. It sort of makes sense. But at the same time, it's kind of like, why would you just out of nowhere like, build up this this bromance and then destroy it and like literally so <laughs> close and it's just like go home like no so like along the lines of sam and frodo which are kind of like i feel like is like the romantic there's arwen and aragorn but like sam and frodo sam and frodo totally shadow yeah they're like, like they're they're the um they're the main romance kind of kind of scenario but then there are like it's interesting like how there are so many like paired people like mm -hmm. there's gimli and legolas Miriam Pippin. Perfect. Oh my god. Sam Frodo. Like Perfect. even like even like Aragorn and Gandalf are like kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like and Eowyn and like just like everyone. Like <laughs> just like there's so much everyone can be divided into little couples. Yeah. And they all Fandom's dream. They all kind of like serve this purpose within like a storyteller's kind of thing. So like Sam and Frodo are like the ro I don't I feel bad saying romance, but like they're the emotional part of the films so much crying oh my god so much crying <laughs> i have to say that that kind of annoys me sometimes there is too much crying on frodo's part oh my god i thought you meant like on your part frodo <laughs> can shut up he got the mind of so much sam is the real hero frodo just like carries a ring around like wow fuck it <laughs> like good for you you're a star but like i just don't care about you and like sam actually does stuff um, I named my base after Sam. I haven't named anything after Frodo. A, but yeah, but then Frodo, or not Frodo, but then <laughs> Merry and Pippin are like the comedic one. Like, they're the relief. They're the best. Oh, they're angels. And then Gimli and Legolas, they're kind of like the funny ones, but they're more like, Legolas is dope. They're mm -hmm. like the cool ones. Yeah. And then Aragorn and Gandalf are like the wise. What about the stuff that he did well? I particularly love the way that he did, uh, he being Peter Jackson, sorry about that, Peter Jackson translated like like the use of language in oh. the in the books and putting that into the films i loved like particularly in um fellowship of the ring the scenes with like aragorn and arwen and just being full-on in elvish with the subtitles i thought that was pretty great Liv tyler's favorite scenes were the ones where she spoke elvish 
That's awesome. fun fact. Um, yeah, no, definitely Peter Jackson did put a lot of time and effort, and it certainly paid off into, like, differentiating between, like, Gondor and Rohan are so distinct, like, just in, definitely. like, just, like, the armor, like, down to the chain mail, like, the helmets, the stance, the battle, like, strategy, like, it just, he did such a good job of kind of creating these niche kind of cultures within um, the film world, um, which is so important. Like, the J.R.O. Tolkien spent his life, like, creating this beautiful, fantastic world. And Peter Jackson definitely understood that and, like, adapted it and put it into the films. And, like, even in, like, the way to... Just the the fact that the Weta Workshop exists, like, there was an entire, like, huge warehouse that was just, like, we're going to make everyone, like, this specific thing, like... You're going to look perfect. Yeah, and, like, they do, and it looks amazing, and it's, like, it's so important. It really... Because Lord of the Rings is such a fantastical kind of, like, idea kind of journey, like really immersing the audience as well as the actors like they really like lived that like just immersing everyone involved in like this is a real thing like yeah definitely it definitely holds your attention and it's definitely just like brings it to a whole new level like no yeah like the fact that the fellowship actors got tattoos like it just really shows how into it they got it's ridiculous how how much passion was put into these movies, like from Peter Jackson, the fact that he cares so much about these little details, which really do make up the world. Because to me, Lord of the Rings, the big amazing part of the of the books is the world building. So the fact that like he makes this whole new universe with all of its culture and like mythology behind it. And I feel like Peter Jackson really encased that, just like you said, with having even the humans. You could just generalize them as humans and keep them like all looking the same. But no, he got the different like subcultures of humans and made them distinct he made the different cultures of each race and each like subsection within the races have their own individuality which i think was so important oh 100 percent yeah yeah i think i think the music the music is most important and most effective as a tool to differentiate between the um different races within the films like Gondor's theme and Rohan's theme, the Riverdale theme, the Lothlorien theme, like, all of it's very... It's mainly there to kind of pluck out and emphasize the parts of the cultures that Peter Jackson wanted emphasized. Um, and Howard Shore does do an amazing job of this. Like, blows everyone away. Yeah, like, definitely. classic Howard kind of stuff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know why I said but. Like, <laughs> there's no buts. The music is just fantastic. Yeah. the Like, it's just so amazing. And, like, it really is just, like, creating this world and, like, the commitment that the entire production made to making this an authentic kind of experience for the audience and for the crew as well. No, I think especially because music is an integral part of the book. The book itself, like, oh my god, have oh my god. so much. This, in the Silmarillion, the world was created through song exactly like like that's all it is yeah like a huge part of the mythology of middle earth is like centered around songs and tales and i just think uh the music score really encases that and gives it that much more uh authenticity in the world building which i think is pretty cool no totally yeah 
The AMS Sexual Assault Support Centre, the SASC, is a free and confidential service which provides support to those who have experienced sexual assault, intimate partner violence and harassment. We provide services to folks of all genders, including students, staff, faculty and those who have a connection to the UBC Vancouver campus. We provide crisis and short-term emotional support, legal, medical and campus-related advocacy and outreach and educational programs. We are located in the Student Nest, room 3127. For more information on our hours of operation and other resources and services, please go to our website, amssask.ca, or visit our Facebook page, AMS Sexual Assault Support Centre. The Cat's Pajamas, a phrase to describe something super awesome or cool. The Cat's Pajamas, a super awesome and cool radio show featuring the latest and greatest indie pop, rock, and more from Vancouver and beyond. The Cat's Pajamas, every Friday at 10 to 11 a.m. at CITR 101.9 FM. So uh, now that we've done the whole book versus movie, uh, we know that a lot of the disparities between these two have been taken care of in the extended editions of Lord of the Rings. But there's still a lot of controversy with which one is better, the theatrical edition or the extended edition of all three movies. So we're just going to discuss that for a bit because Dora has some strong opinions about that. Okay, I wouldn't say like strong opinions. Pretty I just strong have opinions. opinions on it. <laughs> like the theatrical version, like it's like it's fine. Like it is more than fine. No, it's really it's an it's amazing pretty film. Okay. They they are amazing films, all of them. Um but the theatrical version, it's just like straight up like it tells a story. Like it's like this happens and this happens. No nuance no depth is gone in and like some of it doesn't even make sense like for aragorn when he like goes to the thing when he goes to the ghost king like all in the theatrical version he and lake austin Gimli just like approach the door and then show up at pelinor fields with the ghost like <laughs> there's just like so like th and like that just doesn't make any sense like you can fill in the gaps like like <laughs> And, like, you can, and, like, don't, and, like, that was a conscious decision, and it was a necessary decision, I think, because how long can you really make these movies? You're not going to make people sit there. But, like, it just, like, it loses so much. And especially, like, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote the books, like, originally just, like, one solid book, and then he his publisher was like, yo, you gotta, you gotta cut this up. So he did <laughs> Fellowship, Two Towers, Return of the King. And because of how it was written... The Fellowship is a lot of setup. The Return of the King is a lot of resolution. And I know, I'm not entirely sure, I haven't seen the theatrical in a while, but the I believe, from the last time I saw it, the Return of the King especially loses a lot of the resolution. It's like, there's Pelennor Fields, there's the battle outside Mordor, yeah. there's the, like, re everyone's yeah, everyone reunited, and then there's Grey Havens, but there's less explanation, and it's more kind of like, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. Like, there's no real progression throughout that makes it feel cohesive as an ending to this trilogy. Like, it just feels kind of like, we gotta get this in, we gotta get this in, we gotta get this in. Like, and the theatrical versions, although they are, ap like, I'm not bashing theatrical versions. They're amazing <laughs> films, but they really, they really miss a lot of 
the integral parts that are important, like in the story arc of the entire trilogy. You ha- you cannot think of these movies as separate, you or even the books, but you have to think of it as one cohesive kind of story arc. That maybe there's a break here or there, but like you like really thinking about them as separate entities is dangerous because if you just look at Return of the King, you're like half of this movie is ending it, like so many endings, like why? But when you see it as the whole trilogy is a whole big picture, then it really makes a lot of sense. And the extended editions, I feel, are much better at including the the necessary parts and making the trilogy feel cohesive as a story. No, yeah, for me, I like the extended editions better. But I don't know how much of it is because of my bias as a reader, because I go into this expecting to find all the things that Tolkien shows us. So I was just expecting all of these things. All of the culture and stuff is shown in the theatrical, but then you have like little details, just these little scenes that might have been your favorite chapter. Like me, personally, I love the Merry and Pippin stuff. I think that's just oh, great. they're dope. Favorite characters. Such a good couple. Exactly. So when you get to show me more of that, I am just so satisfied. And I remember just being a child and watching the extended editions first and then suddenly watching the theatrical editions and thinking, like, I just... Did I imagine this other part? Because I remember that there was definitely more to this story. No, that's dangerous. Watching the extended at first, because then you're like, "What? You, this is missing full-out scenes. Like, what's exactly. happening? Oh, my God. It was so bad. But at the same time, like, particularly in Return of the King... Uh, You were talking about the endings and how you think it's really important that the extended edition has all of these endings. That's probably my least favorite part of the extended editions. Really? I genuinely, like, I have issues with how how many endings there are and how long it is. As a reader and an appreciator of the Lord of the Rings everything, I, like, get that there needs to be all of these different endings because in the books there just are that many endings because there's so many characters and so many different plot lines that need to be resolved. But at the same time, as a viewer of the movie, I'm just sitting there and I've just gone through another four hours of movie like seeing, let's pretend that I've only watched Return of the King. And it's just like, oh my God, so many hours of endings and you think yeah. it's over, you think it's over. It's quite but exclusive. But it's really not. Yeah, it really, if if you're new or like, if you're just like, I wanna watch this movie, like it does kind of, it's a little, it's a little jarring. Yeah, little, I was like, just really just confused. Already. Like I watched the movies when I was young before I read the books and then I was just like, okay, so it's over. No, it's not. Nope. <laughs> nope. Psych. Except no. So it was like, I just kind of wanted it to end. So like, as someone that watched it before reading it, I was like, yeah, theatrical totally works for me. I can deal with it. Which is like, just like you said, you understand why there's a theatrical version. And I especially think that the fact that there are two versions makes it very good. Because you have the version for the people that just want to know what Lord of the Rings is, have never read anything, are just like, okay, let's see what this is about. And, like, even if, like, you know Lord of the Rings, like, sometimes you're like, I don't want to commit to four hours of this. Yeah, like, like ra- I can't I do 14 movie. hours of marathon right now. Exactly. An important thing to know just to end this is the important important cultural impact this had and the cultures within the the books and the movies. And the immersion in, like, the lifestyle. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely, like, you can't just like Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is a lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing that happens, guys. So definitely, if you haven't watched the trilogy, you should come by The Norm on Sunday, November 15th. We're still in the old sub, which is cool. And there's going to be the 14-hour marathon, all extended editions. So you've been listening to Real World with Dora. And Dama. And we are the UBC Film Society's radio show where we talk about what we're doing and also just films and stuff. So hopefully we'll see you on the November 15th for the Lord of the Rings 14-hour marathon. See you next time. Hey!